Hi, so today I will be talking with my mom, who is uh, in her 40, or late 40s. Um, she is an immigrant from the Philippines. She grew up in the Philippines um, in a very, very poor um, area. And um, I will be talking to her about what she thinks about all this. So this is going to be coming from a different perspective. Um, you know, she's going to be talking about her um, experiences from living in the Philippines, but that doesn't change the fact that she has made her own opinions and come to her own conclusions about this topic. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see it from the point of view of someone who immigrated here from most likely a worse situation. Um, so this is my mom. Her name is Vit. I will be referring to her as Vit, and um, this is her story. Ah, so... After reviewing my audio file, thanks to my wonderful laptop, I found out that <laughs> you can barely hear her. So I'm probably going to have to just try to retell her story. Um, and I won't be able to go into much detail about her own personal experiences because obviously I didn't live through them. And um, she knows them better than I do. But um, please bear with me while I try to retell everything accurately. But um, I have never heard my mom's perspective on any of this before. Um, you know, I said that about my dad, but I did have like an idea of his personal viewpoints. Um, you know, I didn't know anything about <laughs> what my mom thought. And uh, I've talked to her before about what it's like living in the Philippines and what her life was like. But um, never in this much detail about poverty. So it's... um. It's definitely experience. It's definitely, um, I was surprised, I will admit. Um, but it was, it was interesting. And, um, so hopefully I'll be able to retell everything. Like how she said, um, once again, I'm so sorry that you have to hear me <laughs> say this rather than actually hearing the person I talked to. Cause you know, I spent all that time on it, but, um, uh, here we go. So, you know, obviously the first question why do you think poverty exists? And um, she said, it was a little confusing, but she said that she believes people are born to be rich and people are born to be poor. So, you know, thinking about this, this kind of goes into line with what Matt said in the earlier episode. Um, and this does go in line a little bit about functionalism, um, how you need both. Um, and essentially what she was saying was basically that you need both. If you want to be rich, you have to have poor um, and vice versa. Um, she just had a different way of stating it. Um, and she talked about a little bit about how um, part of it is power. You need to have power. And uh, once again, going along with functionalism. Uh, so my next question uh, with you know, is poverty a choice? And, um, I was kind of, I thought her point was interesting, but, um, she said yes. And my mom grew up in, you know, I'm not sure if you know much about the Philippines, but it's an extremely poor country. And, um, my mom is, she had, um, uh, eight other siblings yeah, so her parents had nine kids in total, and they live in this poor village. I've been there before. Um, 
but they live in this poor village. And she, my mom saw how hard my, uh, my grandparents worked. Um, my dad, or my dad, my grandfather was a fisherman. I still believe he is. Um, he was a fisherman. And my mom mentioned before that he would just be out fishing all the time. And if the weather was bad, he had to go in. But he would also be fishing at night, which is really dangerous. Um, you know, uh, think about it this way. Um, you, not only can you not see anything, but if the boat motor for some reason goes out and you're out in the middle of the water, you can't call to get someone to help. Like, um, you know, phones aren't really a thing, at least during that time. Uh, so, like, the the dangers are really real. Um, my mom talked about how her mom and her would, um, I, th- I think it was carry fish, um, but they'd carry, um, at least they would carry stuff to bring to her um, dad uh, to help with fishing. And they'd also carry fish, like fish to markets. And um, my mom, she's a very tiny person. Uh, and uh, physically, she's not super strong. Uh, mentally, she, in my personal opinion, very strong. <laughs> but so she had to do that as a child. And uh, she she's about my size. So you can just imagine how... Um, hard and heavy that work is but um it was a normal thing for all the kids in the family to be doing these labor things to help their parents not because their parents were like oh do this but to help their family um you know try to get a better situation try to get a better life um so as she's talking about that um she was telling me about how when she was in the Philippines, she didn't want that life for her family. She didn't want to, you know, for me, like, she didn't want me to have that kind of life, and, um, this was before she met my dad. (laughs) Uh, she, she had told me she was never planning on, you know, uh, meeting an American and stuff like that, but, um, she just was constantly working. When she graduated high school, she got a job while she went to college, and um, my mom was able to get an associate's degree, which um, I don't think is that common in the Philippines. Um, I, could, I could be wrong with that, but it's not common for everyone to go to college. Um, it's not as much pushed on as it is here in America. So, you know, while she's attending school, she's working. Um, I remember before she's told me uh, she worked at a photography place at um I think she, she told me, I can't accurately tell you the number, but it was like $3, um, not an hour, but I think she got like $3 a week. Um, and that's American money. Uh, obviously it's a little bit different in pesos, but still very low. Um, and that's kind of just like an insight to how poor the country is as well. And, um, you know, her experiences, but she was, you know, through hard work, she was able to, you know, get some money for her family while also getting an associate's degree, which, um, you know, she worked really hard. And that was part of the reason why she said poverty is a choice, because you can, you work really hard. And, um, you know, she's living proof of that. (laughs) Um, But um, even now, 
she works at her job. Um, she's a um, server at a retirement home, but she does, you know, go up the ladder, you know, starting off at the starting wage. And now she's worked there for about four years, you know, ever since we've been back to Indiana and she's made bonuses and she's, you know, gotten promotions. So her hard work is being shown. Um, and uh, the next question I asked her was, what do you think of homeless people? Um, do you think they just do drugs and that's it? And if they deserve their situation? So her answer, um, it was interesting because I didn't, it was, it's just everyone I've interviewed. It was interesting. Um, but, uh, she said that from her personal opinion and also to keep in mind her, um, the way she was brought up, but, um, she doesn't think that homeless people, like, the, she didn't think that stereotype was accurate. She did think that, like, people did do that, but she didn't think it was, like, fully accurate. And, um, <clears throat> sorry, my throat keeps getting really dry. Um, but she said that, uh, there are definitely people who, um, kind of going back to what Chuck said, um, there's definitely people who, um, just made bad choices. And, excuse me, I uh, didn't accept help when they were offered it and just put themselves in that situation. And um, she said that the people who did, you know, like, not necessarily take the help that they were offered um, deserve their situation, which I was like, wow. <laughs> uh, just from knowing my mom, I, I didn't think that would be her answer. So I thought that was interesting. Um and uh, I know that she says that when, while she was saying that, she was thinking about her family because um, out of her eight other siblings, um, some of them do work really hard, but then there's also some that ha haven't been making good decisions. And my mom has been dealing with that. Um, so I know that she was keeping that in mind. I, I have an aunt who, um, you know, doesn't really have a job in the Philippines. Um, and doesn't seem willing to try to find a job. So I can see where my mom's frustration and thought process goes to that. Um, and when I asked her about uh, if she thought people on welfare were lazy, um, it was, I would say maybe um, she wasn't completely sure because she definitely, uh, maybe more in a case-by-case -case situation as well. Um, because she knows that there are people who need the benefits, but um, she also is worried about people who take advantage of it. And um, where I can see uh, with her personal experiences, like I said, um, her sister, my aunt, one of my aunts, um, you know, just not making good choices, kind of taking advantage of the whole thing. Um, because when my parents got married, um, obviously my dad being not rich, but uh, rich <laughs> in the eyes of the uh, Filipinos, he was able to send my mom's side of the family money um, to help get them out of poverty, which is a really amazing thing. But that's one of those cases where that's that's not always going to happen. Um, but this aunt has, you know, in the past taken advantage of this. Um, 
so I can see my mom's point of view on, uh, you know, welfare. It's not exactly the same thing, but they're similar concepts. And um, I know she's just concerned about people, you know, taking advantage of things that are needed to, um, that other people need, which is similar to Chuck's perspective. I think that was the exact same way, you know, um, but a little bit different, actually. But, you know, both of them agree that they don't want people taking advantage of these um, services. And they both believe that, you know, there are a lot of people who take advantage of these services. So I then asked if um, she thought her tax dollars were going to a good cause. And um, I, if I remember correctly, I think she said no. Um, once again, going back to the whole, she doesn't want people taking advantage of, um, you know, the money that they're paying. Because um, I know for my mom, education is a big thing. Um, I She's always pushed me to be really successful in my academic, um, courses, and, um, she, you know, much rather have that money to be able to pay for me, uh, you know, to go to a good school, which I do good, go to a good school, and, um, mentioned before, I don't pay that much, but, um, I know that that is a major concern for her, that people are taking advantages of the, um, services put into place, and I know that, um, in her work, she's mentioned before, people who just, you know, are making bad decisions. And it might not be um, willingly making bad decisions, but just seemingly taking advantage of the situation and don't want to work hard. And um, for my, uh, for Vit, my mom, um, and Chuck, you know, that's a big thing because they worked really hard. And not saying that the other people didn't, but from their experience working hard, this is the conclusion that they have come to. Um, so, you know, I think it's really interesting to get those different perspectives. Um, I asked her what she thought generational poverty was. She wasn't sure, um, so I, I had to explain it, and I asked her if, um, she thought that someone could break out of it. Uh, once again, you could probably guess what her answer was, but it was yes. Um, she kept referencing how, um, how poor her family was and how, she was determined to make sure that wasn't going to happen to her and her future family. Um, and clearly it did not. It, it worked out. But, um, I, and it was interesting because I know my mom's a hard worker. But another thing is she married my dad, which, um, you know, he he's an American. He had money. And so it, it's hard to, it's hard to not think about that when she, talks about how she got out of poverty because her own personal experiences did do a lot but this is also a major factor that you can't overlook um especially since um marrying my dad and i should clarify they are they're very much in love uh this was not anything um you know like oh money no they're very much in love but it's still something that you have to consider um when talking about this um you know, um, not many people are going to be marrying um, someone who can do stuff like that for their family and for the, um, themselves. Um, so I think that's definitely important to note. Um, the next question was, what do you think should happen to lessen the role of poverty in our society? Um, once again, I think my mom 
or Vit, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, I think Vit just said, uh, basically, work hard. And um, because she's had her personal experiences in her life, she's working hard. At her job, she constantly works hard and she sees the results and we see the results. So um, she definitely believes in the meritocracy part of America. Um, once again, if you don't remember what that means, it's just that hard work um, basically um, determines where you're going to end up and stuff like that. Um, so it's, she mentioned, you know, um, you know, hard work. Um, she also went back to homeless people. Um, she was talking about how uh, there should be services. Um, just mostly for shelter. That's what she really mentioned. She didn't really uh, go on to mention anything else about like uh, mental health services or anything like that. Um, and after this, I uh, after the whole like interview kind of thing, I did tell her that um, from research and you know from psychologists or. Uh, psychologists or whatever they're called and they have said that you know drug addiction is a mental illness and I uh, I told her about that after this interview because I just wanted to get her personal I wanted to get everyone's personal opinions without altering their um you know statements before uh beforehand but um for uh I then asked have you had any life-changing experience resulting from poverty and obviously she has <laughs> uh growing up very poor in the Philippines, you know, um, every day, hard labor, um, just to help get money for the family, and she talked about how there, there were times where everyone only had one meal a day, um, and now she has three meals a day, so I think that's a wonderful, um, you know, that's wonderful progress, but, um, she said that most times in the Philippines, her family, um, they only had two meals a day, but there were, you know, times where they could only have one, um, and, you know, like I said, working, bef uh, working hard labor in all of them, like, all of her, uh, siblings and her, and it, that, that's hard, uh, as a kid, you shouldn't have to worry about stuff like that, and, um, uh, that's obviously a problem here in America, too, but I know it's not as severe, but it's still, uh, I just don't think kids or anyone should ever have to deal with that seriousness problem, um, especially if you're just born into it and you can't, you know, make decisions yet. It, like being five years old, you have to live with that. And it's not your fault, but it's not fair for you, you know, to be at such a disadvantage. So it, it's just, it's definitely... As I'm like talking to people about this, it's definitely hard to hear at some points because this is such a reality in the in America, and um, like I've mentioned before, I'm very interested in mental health services with social work, but like going through this, it's like, hmm, maybe I want to work with people in the lower class, uh, because people need guidance and people need external help. You can't do it on all on your own. That's my personal belief. I've come to throughout these, um, interviews. And, um, you know, I still have one more interview to go, but I don't think that's going to be changing. Um, and I asked, should the government do more with helping, 
um, homelessness. Um, my mom said, yeah, she talked about, um, shelters pretty much. Um, and this next one was probably the most shocking, uh, answer I got from her. I was very surprised. But, um, I asked, do you think everyone should have the right to food, shelter, and clothing? And she said no. Um, so this was like, <laughs> this is very shocking to me because I was like, whoa, what? Uh, and, you know, I do my best to stay neutral because I, I do have to try to stay neutral during these interviews, um, not try to push someone towards a certain answer or anything like that, uh, keeping it all to myself until I can reflect. But um, it was, you know, this goes back to her, I guess the main theme for her was um, not wanting people to take advantage of services. And this is what she was talking about. Um, she was worried that, um, you know, if people got all these things, they wouldn't be motivated to work and they just take advantage of it all. So it's going away from people who might actually need those services, um, and have been trying. And I just, I, I thought it was very interesting though, um, because I never realized how f a firm believer my mom was in, um, you know, just making making a place for yourself like working hard um i knew she was always a hard worker i just uh i never knew how much she believed in that um so i i asked like what if um so you don't think like people should have shelter and she didn't like change her answer a little bit but it was mostly that everyone should be working, everyone should be trying to make something out of themselves, um, and so it's also, I, you have to apply this to her personal, um, you know, life experiences, the Philippines is much more different than the United States, um, her experiences are a lot more different, um, compared to most people in America, um, she had to fight for the right to get food, she had to fight for the right to have shelter and clothing. Um, that was her normal. Like, she had to fight for that. Yet here, it's something um, more like a societal notion that everyone should have this. So it's really interesting to hear it from that perspective. Um, and also, like, a bit saddening um, that that was her life experience. And, um, you know, that is in a life experience that people do have in America. So um definitely interesting answer. And uh the final question, can someone be too poor to have a job? Uh, she said no. Uh basically you can work around it, uh find something else. Um you know, going back to her example of going, you know, having a job and also going to school, trying to get her associate's degree at the same time. Uh, you know this is her personal experience, as well as, you know, she shared a lot of answers with Chuck, but, uh, this is their personal experiences, um, and you, you can't argue with personal experiences, um, you can add on to more knowledge about it, but it's always important to hear both sides of the spectrum, and she basically just said, like I said, you can work around it, there's always a way, so, I thought my, <laughs> definitely very interesting, um, uh, was not expecting a lot of these answers, um, uh, mostly because I've never really talked to my mom about stuff like this, she's never really talked about any of this either, um, 
but she's never gone into depth about her own personal experiences like that before. Um, and the times I've visited the Philippines, it the family house is much different because my, you know, my parents got married and my dad was able to send money over there for them to like get a house. So I never fully saw what her life was like. I only see the improved version. So definitely really interesting stuff. Um, and, you know, it's cool to get these different opinions, um, just like Chuck and Vit. Their, um, their opinions were similar, but they're so different from the three previous interviews I've done. Um, so it's really, really, really interesting. And uh, I had a good time talking to her about it. Okay, so, you know, hopefully you found the um, interview with my mom interesting. Definitely a different perspective, just like Chuck. Um, so that was really cool to get, but I, I think I want to start talking about, uh, you know, um, the needs of children, youth, and families. So this is um, a little bit different, but I still think it applies here, especially in the lower class and poverty, because... Um, these are just added challenges that these groups are probably likely to face. Uh, and I think it's important to, you know, talk about this because if you, you know, as a future social worker, if I do work with people who um, are in the lower class or, fam or family <laughs> or in poverty, I have to be aware of this because, you know, not having money is a problem, but there's other problems that probably come from that as well. So, uh, going back to um, stuff I learned in like social work and basically uh, just like refreshing my mind. Um, so, I'm going to talk about some groups that are at a greater risk of experiencing family problems. So, this is going to add on more stress in addition to, you know, being in poverty. Uh, children of color are most are very likely to experience family problems. Um, children who grow up in families living in poverty. Um, headed by people of color and women, and children who grow up in families with little or no social supports. So we've definitely hit on all three of these. Um, oh, maybe not the first one, but, uh, you know, people of color, it, you've seen instances where life is just harder for them in comparisons, um, in comparison to white people. And it doesn't take, like, everyone has problems, and, uh, you know, you're going to face hard times, but people of color are going to experience different problems, um, be partly because of um, their skin tone. And so um, it's, this is a problem. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I say that a lot, that this is a problem, but it's a problem because the children, they're our future. And, um, you know, we've already been talking about this, but um, the first person who comes to mind is Chuck, you know, how he says it's really important to, um, you know, guide people. Um, and in these families where there's problems already going on, there's likely to not be as much guidance to the children. Um, and this is shown with uh, children who grow up in families with little or no social supports. That's going to affect whether or not they make, you know, in his words, good choices or bad choices. So this is really important to note of. Um, because these, these families are going to have, most likely, are going to have, um, 
more problems compared to your average uh, lower class family, which is hard because they already face enough problems to begin with. But um, these are the choices that, or these are the uh, things we have to talk about. Um, in addition to this, about 43% of U.S. children live or have lived in a household with one or more adults who are alcoholics or alcohol abusers at some point in their lives. So, you know, talking about poverty and homelessness, if you're seeing that as a ch- like as a kid, you're more likely to, you know, um, indulge in those activities. And, you know, going back to the whole, like, having good choices and bad choices, you're not seeing the good choices you're only seeing the bad choices so you're only you're not seeing your other options and this is why it's so hard for um people in lower class and poverty because if you're not seeing your other options which could be the good choices uh, that feeds into generational poverty which um I I don't think my later interview is going to change it but I think that you know generational poverty is a real big problem and I think you can break out of it but it's hard because you're not seeing your other options so um, I think it's really important to look at that and um, keep that in mind Um, parents who regularly misuse substances are less likely to carry out their parental roles effectively Um, you know that makes sense but that just reinforces the whole idea that um, the kids are not going to be seeing uh, your good choices and you know going to the stereotype about homeless people and um that they're just going to spend money on drugs uh you know people <laughs> kind of you know just going back to the whole like you're seeing the bad choices kids who see this are much more likely to indulge in this and it's it's a problem because you're starting off so young you're not having you're just not being given options to avoid that and uh, that's, that's a serious problem um, because it, it's just unfair in the beginning. And like, like I said before, with the whole stratification system, um, where you start off is really impactful on where you're going to end up. So if you're in the lower class and so you're already having poverty problems, uh, uh, stuff like this, in addition to these problems, it, it just seems like you just keep getting hit and hit and hit. Like, um, it just seems so in, inhumane and unfair, and uh, I think it's really important to try to give people in these situations options and guidance. Um, and obviously, this is where social work can come into play. Um, so, like I said, <laughs> the more I learn about this, the more I'm like, hmm, maybe I want to talk about this. And um, over here, there's a. I'm gonna state some of these, but. There's problem, the problems associated with adolescents. Um, runaways and homelessness. That was the very first one. <laughs> um, academic and employment problems. Teen pregnancy. Youth crime and violence, including involvement in gangs and mental health issues, including suicide. So uh, to begin with, the first one was literally runaways and homelessness. Uh, this is how some people become homeless. And once it happens, they can't well, at least they can't find their way back, and they're in this situation. So that's another way um, this homeless population is growing, especially, I've mentioned before, how you're starting to see more women and children become homeless. Um, Here's another problem with that. 
Um, and then you have academic and employment problems. So with the whole meritocracy, um, you know, work hard and you'll get what you want. Well, if you're working hard to try to find a job and it's not working out, like <laughs> you're already at a barrier and a problem. And if you are also having academic problems, you know, going back to not having adequate, um, you know, access to electronics, technology, stuff like that, you're just, you're put into a disadvantage. Um, teen pregnancy, you know, um, I actually talked to Chuck about this, but he mentioned, you know, one of the times he was talking about good choices and bad choices. He was like, you get pregnant, that's a choice. And yeah, that, you know, that is a choice to have sex. Um, but I, another thing is, you know, sex education in Indiana is kind of um, non-existent. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm sure you've heard before that uh, many kids who just, you know, got pregnant. And, you, you know, that might be a blessing for the kid, but it's also important to understand that some people may not want that and may not be able to take care of the child or it could ruin their um, personal um, uh, life in the moment because if you're lower income, you don't have the money to go to a hospital and, um, you know, have that baby. We talked about that with Matt. He mentioned that, um, you know, um, and you're putting another child into a low-income situation where it's more likely that they are going to stay in that low, lower class or, you know, become homeless. Like, these are actual real problems. And, um, you know, I mentioned earlier how uh, uh, sex education in Indiana is non-existent, but that also goes with academic problems, uh, not necessarily with the adolescent, but with our state. Um, and then youth crime and violence. Uh, that doesn't really go much into, uh, well, <laughs> uh, I guess that can um, result from needing money. Uh, you know, I feel like you hear a lot of times when people do join um, crime stuff or gangs, it's because they need to get a little bit extra money for their family. Um, and you can hear that, typically hear that targeted more towards um, POC uh, members and so that is another problem and uh, mental health issues including suicide um, you know I've mentioned before mental health is really important if you aren't in a good mental health how can you expect someone to be able to get themselves out of their situation especially if things just keep piling up and piling up and piling up and um, we already have America um, I believe it's between ages 18 to 23, um, somewhere between that age range, but um, I'm pretty sure suicide is either number one or number two on leading causes of death. So this is a problem that we need to address. Um, and it, it's it's so complicated too, because it, <laughs> everything is just so complicated. Uh, you have the problem of poverty, and then you have like a million other problems that feed right into it. And it it's just it's hard, but we need to focus on learning more about this as a society, learning more about what we can possibly do, basically letting people know of all their options, because, you know, that's important. 
if we let people know about more of their options and, um, you know, actually try to be aware and create more services, we might actually be able to change the future of um, lower class people and uh, homelessness. And it, it, it really is hard to talk about. I, <laughs> the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, oh, this is really sucks. But like, like I've mentioned before, and probably said five million times now, it's important to talk about this. Um, it's important to learn more. Um, it, it's just, it's stuff that we have to, um, you know, keep in mind. But um, I'm going to talk about a couple more um, things. I'm going to talk about the services, the children's, fa- um, children, youth, and families. So, um, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Um, this could be uh, re- relating to a uh, lower class in poverty. Um, so I think I want to start with uh, pre- preventive services to children. Um, so there's natural support systems. That would be your family. Um, but if your family is, uh, you know, going through a hard time, if you're, both your parents are out working, you don't see them that much, you might not be as close to them. Um, there's home-based services. Um, social workers can come to the house, um, you know, uh, check in, see what the family needs. Um, there's parent education, but once again, that could be a problem that uh, lower class folks aren't getting as much of, especially if they're constantly working, um, especially working at weird times. Um, these services are going to be open during the day, but say um, you have someone who works all day or you have someone who works all night, they still need to sleep or or they're off at work. So um, it's really important to try to get more availability to these services to people in poverty or in the lower um, in lower class because the, I feel like the main point is that I'm starting to like you know come to terms with is these people are at a disadvantage and are constantly being put at disadvantages and um, you know I think that there needs to be an external uh, guidance and help um, there are recreational religious and social programs and um, it, I I think about my mom in this case because, uh, you know, growing up in the Philippines is also a very Catholic um, place, but religion is such a big deal for my mom. It's something she's always going towards um, for guidance and, you know, for reassurance because obviously her life has been hard um, and a a lot of people uh, will face that, you know. Um, you're going through a hard time and every, especially like going through a mental illness too like if you're depressed um, <laughs> and bad things just keep happening uh, religion is a good way for people to talk and um, try to let out their frustrations um, try to make sense of what's been going on and that can um, be a support system uh, that's really desperately needed in some of these cases um, education about family problems is, um, really important because, uh, you know, just like education about this whole entire thing, um, because most people, oh, not most, but, uh, people in the middle class and upper class for sure definitely don't think, um, a lot about what's going on in the working class or the lower class and how their life is. And, um, you know, there no fault to that, but it's still, 
it's important to talk about. And if we can make services and um, foundations and just like, um, oh man, I'm blanking on the word, um, where you, you uh, raise money and you give it to these communities, that would be really important. And um, I just don't think many middle and upper class uh, folks know about that. Because if we bring awareness to that, um, we can possibly create better things for um, the lower income communities, which goes into my um, my belief that, uh, you know, lower class um, in poverty need an external force helping them. Um, and I, like I said, I have one more interview to go, but I just, I've been coming to that conclusion now. And um, I, I, I don't think that's going to change from what all I've seen. Um, uh, school social work, I want to talk about that. Um, so social services can be offered in a school-based setting. And um, it, another reason why education, I believe, um, is important. And in this case, you know, uh, in the words of Chuck, this is guidance. Um, this is the way to learn about your um, right and wrong choices in life. So, um, and obviously now, um, like I've mentioned before, COVID, but if kids are in school, then they aren't getting those social services, especially if you're in a hard, like, a household where, you know, you have to think about these things at a young age about money and, you know, d being depressed because of it. That's a real reality that could happen. Um, and those social services are really important to try to keep the child, um, mentally capable and okay and um this doesn't just go to children but like everyone um making sure that they're okay um so in school social work uh typical programs and services are um individual family and group counseling uh, case management crisis intervention uh school-wide education and awareness programs that address issues such as bullying um and <laughs> I, I feel like you could talk about poverty all the time or um for so long but um that's another thing I didn't really think about until now but bullying um you know people from a lower class going to school they're you're probably going to see it in their clothing um you know stuff like that and I I was in school I remember middle school being very hard <laughs> but you know kids can be really mean and bullying is a thing that happened um, I know that Chris and Matt, two of the people I've interviewed before, they didn't mention in their mention it in their interview, but they have talked about that they were bullied before. Um, and uh, partly because of their clothes, uh, I know for Chris, one of them was that, and um, you know him coming from a lower income family, but he got bullied for his clothes, and uh, that, that's also another real issue. Um, adding on to the stress of what that life can be like and uh, it, it's just important to educate like I said educate everyone um in this so um I think I'm gonna wrap this up now um I really need a drink of water but I just I thought that was really interesting and I'm really starting to like make my own solid opinions on everything um and it, it, it it's really interesting um just hearing all the different um, what's it called? Uh, perspectives. There you go. So, uh, thank you for listening. I will talk to you next episode. <laughs>